Though I'm an employee of Ronald Blue Trust, Talking Money represents my individual views and not those of my employer or any sponsor of the program. During the program, I may discuss market trends as well as specific financial planning techniques and investment ideas. These discussions are for general information only and are not intended to provide specific advice or recommendations to any individual or organization. Work with your attorney or accounting or investment professional for specific individual advice and services. Any securities or investment products discussed on Talking Money are not insured by the FDIC, are not a deposit or other obligation of or guaranteed by any bank, and are subject to investment risks, including possible loss of principal amount invested. Good morning and welcome to Talking Money. This is Certified Financial Planner Professional Mike Miller, your host for today. So glad you're with us. And uh, once again, for those who are listening, maybe for the first time, you'll realize pretty quickly that this is not a sales program like most of the financial shows. I should put uh, quotes around those uh, that word financial shows on the radio, this station and others that I listen to. So we try to be educational. So we want to make sure that we get you information that you can actually use, you can put in place and help save you money, make you money, and maybe most importantly, keep you from uh, making some mistakes and things that you shouldn't do. So right along those same lines, my special guest today, Stephen Piper with uh, Piper Insurance now. So good, good awesome. morning and welcome to the uh, program. Good morning, Mike. How are you? Last time you were on, uh, you were with a different company, started your own firm about a year and a half ago. That's and, right. uh, and it's going well, so so I'm glad to hear that. So Stephen, at full disclosure, he uh, handles my car and home insurance, <laughs> so make sure everybody knows knows that. But there's a reason why, because uh, I've, I've used a couple, just a couple of different people over my my career, and... Um, and and hopefully Stephen will be <laughs> Stephen will be the last one, um, but uh, when I was um, looking at some changes to be made and and spoke with him, he did a great job analyzing what I currently had. And even though we did not change companies, uh, we made some adjustments with the same company to improve the effectiveness. I think of the risk management and with me and my family. And that was important. So not uh, most agents don't look at those kind of things. So putting a plug in there for you, Stephen. Uh, uh, he knows what he's doing. Um, but we've got a lot of things to talk about today that, that we have on the agenda. But our, our most productive sessions are when we answer your questions. So if you've got those questions, you'll have to go to TalkingMoneyRadio.com and click on Ask Mike a Question or send the question to Mike at talkingmoneyradio.com and we'll pick it up on a future on a future broadcast for uh talking money and answer those questions or i'll just answer your question uh, directly uh, happens both ways all right so uh stephen you've been in this business that's set the stage you've been uh handling property and casualty insurance for quite a while since uh, 2000 since 2000 yeah. so 22 years mm -hmm. and and unlike uh, a lot of people and i tell the story that uh, this um this gentleman was at a place of business. He'd worked there 15 years and he was up for promotion and somebody else that was, had been there one year was up for the same promotion. So he assumed I got this, you know, I've been here 15 years. Well, he didn't get the promotion. And of course he asked why, why did I not get the promotion? I've been here 15, I got 15 years experience. And the boss said, no, you don't have 15 years of experience. You've got one years of experience 15 times. <laughs> So it's 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 what you do with those twenty two years, right? Exactly, exactly. You have to you have to learn from the experiences that you have to get sure. better, and I, I think that 
that uh, explains your situation. So everybody's thinking about, because there was an article in the Greenville News or Wall Street Journal in the last week or two, a lot of about inflation, but one specifically about inflation as it relates to car and home insurance and the, the rates people are, are seeing go up on their renewal statements. And I mentioned to you before we move on, of course, I got mine. Mm-hmm. Mine's due next month. So I got all my, my paperwork and saw the changes. I didn't see anything unusual change. It was like 8 percent or so uh, increase on the car and the home uh, so i just wondered what kind of of feedback uh complaints whatever are you getting anything like that from people who are seeing the rate increases and and what's your overall thoughts on that so yes i mean we are seeing some increases in our rates overall for home and auto but more importantly um some of the homeowner po- homeowner companies are trying to catch up as far as the um, dwelling value goes, because typically they had they increase your dwelling value. If you look on your homeowner's policy, they'll increase your dwelling value a, a little bit each year, three yeah. percent, maybe four percent. Mine went but, up a little bit more, I think. It I well, can't remember which, but yeah, yeah, that's what I'm getting to. Is some of the they're they're starting to now like travelers and others are trying to do like ten and fifteen percent increases because they're trying to keep up with the inflation that's happening. Yeah. The cost of building your house now is significantly more than a year or two years ago, especially. Assuming you can find the, the material to build it. Exactly. Well, that's that's why they, yeah, that's <laughs> right. one of the reasons they're so high, right? Yeah. It's hard to find and, and slow getting here. Um, so you want them to increase the value of that. So your price is higher, but there's a reason for it. It's not just right. because general inflation uh, yeah. or the inflation is part of it because of how much more it costs to build a home. Um, but you want to make sure your insurance keeps up with it. So what about the right. the replacement value guarantee that, that some policies have? And I guess don't, all policies don't have them. Correct. So but, very few companies will actually give you a guaranteed replacement cost. So that is like, it doesn't matter what your home costs to rebuild. We're going to rebuild it at that value. But most com- most companies, if you add an endorsement on, will give you 125% or 150%. So whatever that dwelling value is shown on the policy, you'll have 25% above or 50% above to rebuild that home. And what if you don't have that on there? If you don't have that, then that's the policy limits all you got. And you need to, you, you first of all, you should have that endorsement. Secondly, you should make sure that your your dwelling value is what it actually would cost to rebuild. So you go out in the marketplace and say, what is it costing to, per square foot to build my kind of house? And you do the multiplication and say, okay, it's going to be 500000 300000 or a million five or whatever it is. Well, you could do that or you could ask your agent to do a replacement cost estimator. We have systems. We just, we just run the replacement <laughs> cost estimator and we show you, yeah, you're out of whack or no, you're right in line. So, okay. Yeah. So, and, and one of the things that I think people uh, miss, and I used to uh, say this on, I uh, still do, on the workshops that I teach at companies. Um, is that you forget? So you see on your on your policy that it says my replacement value or their the value that they put policy value on there for your home is eight hundred thousand dollars, and then you think, okay, well my house is worth you know I, th- I think it's worth nine hundred thousand or whatever, but you forget that the land is not part of that. Right. There's a market value versus re- rebuild value. So yeah, we're we're only wanting to insure the structure, whatever's right. going to cost it to, re- to rebuild the structure. And as well as debris removal, because you've got a fire and the house burns down, you, you're just going to take ten, fifteen thousand dollars just to remove all the debris so that you can start oh, construction. Right. So yeah. you, I mean, there's other things you got to think about besides just building a new house on your property. Well, you don't think about it. That's, yeah, that's right. why you're here. That's right. Exactly. <laughs> that's that's why you're thinking that's about it. that. Uh, so, um, so you should be able to call your agent and say, uh, and they have the, the information on how big your house is and all that. Say, could you right. please? Is that something that an agent? Um, 
would just do automatically or should do automatically for their for their insured people to say, hey, look, I'm, I'm checking this out for you. Seems like that'd be a good value-added thing for an agent to do. Yeah, so typically when you start, begin, you begin a first a policy, you first come coming in, like, like with you. I, I went through, made sure I had all the information right. correct about your house, and then we did a replacement cost estimator right. within the companies that we're using, and then we came up and said, you know what, you're, you're probably fine where you're at, Travelers is best, so we moved forward with and just made a few adjustments to your policies. How often is it that they actually have, because I've seen this before, um, where the automatic increases the insurance company did actually got ahead of where the house really cost to rebuild. And so you, right. you might be able to even save some money by calling and say, well, okay, well, the automatic increases over the years have put you 100000 higher than yeah. what you need. Let's reduce it. Probably not great odds for that these yeah. days, but not it's yet. still possible. It is possible. Two, three or four years ago, absolutely, I would say that you, you do need to be checking on that. These days, you're, you're probably underinsured <laughs> at this point. Yeah. Because they, I mean, if you live in the upstate, it's it's crazy, the amount of increase. So all the agents of the uh, listeners today who are going to get calls next week for their... <laughs> uh, well, thanks, Stephen Piper. That's right. Get them ready. Get them ready. <laughs> so that's good. All right. When we get back for the break, we're going to talk about uh, the difference between uninsured and underinsured it's a it's a huge gap that i see quite frequently stephen sees it even more because he's in that business all the time but even with new clients coming in when we check uh, on those kind of things we see some um deficiencies there so we want to talk about that but we'll be back in just a few minutes with talking money The answers to most financial questions are uncovered when you understand that there are only really five uses of money and when you know exactly how much you are spending on each of those uses. At Ronald Blue Trust, our comprehensive financial planning process helps you plan for living expenses, debt, savings, taxes, and giving. Well, let's focus on saving for retirement. Planning for retirement is much more than a magic number that answers the question most people think of retirement planning, how much is enough? You need to know the answer to that question, but other questions are important to consider as well. Questions like, how will I determine what my next chapter is? How can I use my savings and investments in a tax-efficient manner? How will inflation, investment returns, and personal decisions impact my time frame? As you approach retirement, don't look at it as an end, but rather as a beginning. We don't sell any products at Rundle Blue Trust. We are fiduciaries whose only desire is to help clients be the best stewards they can be with the resources God has given them. Ronald Blue Trust is pleased to sponsor Talking Money because we want you to get the answers to your questions about money with no hidden agenda to sell anything. If you'd like to learn more about Ronald Blue Trust, to find out if we can help you, please call 1-800-588-7526 and tell Chelsea you heard Mike Miller talking about Ronald Blue Trust on the radio. It would be my pleasure to speak with you further. Once again, our phone number at the Greenville office is 1-800-588-7526. Now let's go back to Talking Money to answer more of your questions. And that's right. We want to answer more of your questions. And so um, anyway, we do have um, uh, one text that came in. What advice do you have to insure a new, uh, I first have to say Stephen Piper is my guest, a certified insurance counselor. So you know who we're talking with. He's been in this business for 22 years in car and home insurance. This question is from North Carolina. Uh, at least they used to be from North Carolina because it's a 704 area code. Uh, what advice do you have to insure a new teen driver? Like, don't let them drive. Right. Don't, don't let them drive. <laughs> Buy an old clunker that you don't have to put comp and collision on. <laughs> uh, I mean, it's, it's going to be expensive. It doesn't matter where you go. They're going to surcharge them until they prove that they are not 
a liability. Is it still age 25? Uh, is that still I mean, a key or it not? It used uh, to be where, you know, 25, it drops a lot. Now there's so many algorithms in the back that re- that create your rate. I mean, it's just a matter of you proving yourself. And, I mean, again, good financial planning and um, uh Credit scores and everything else go in, involved in this. Pay so history, the, everything goes in, and not just driving history. So does your your uh, so would my personal credit history help with the child being Correct. insured? Okay. Correct. What about um, with the child having a um, good student? Get a good student. A good discount. student is this probably the most significant discount, and then most companies give a driver's training, which in South Carolina I think you have to have driver's training even to get your license. But they are still giving that credit too. So what kind of a credit do you get for being a good student? And also, I remember back when my kids were that that age, and I remember um, how grateful I was that when they first asked me about the good student discount, uh, they had a a report card that showed them having to be average and they never asked me again right they just kept the discount even though future report cards didn't look quite the same but anyway that's right yeah well i mean you the, as far as the percentage goes there's no way to come up because again there's a thousand pricing points in the background yeah, they're yeah, running yeah. in the algorithm but, but again something but those are the sign that's the most significant discount is the is the um the good student and it's just a b average or better Okay, so, um, well, the uh, follow-up question to that, do you have an average price increase for adding a new driver? That's probably uh, depends on the on the situation, too. Again, I mean, each, in, I mean, you could have two identical households, and you're, same, same driver, mm-hmm. same age, and you add them, yeah. they're going to be different in the pricing. Same companies, because of all the, there's thousands of pricing points that you might land in based off your credit, based off your, do you have a umbrella and a home discount? Do you have all these other things that come into play that there's no way for me to just give a general yeah, idea right. of what it's going to be? There's no way. So just be prepared. <laughs> yeah, yeah, it is significant. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. And then, and then, um, once they reach uh, a certain age, let's say it's 21 or something, uh, is there an advantage to having them? Uh, be insured directly let's say they own the car they bought a car they own the car they own that clunker that you don't have to put comp on right. so what um is that an advantage to having them go ahead and then get their own insurance at that point well it'll be regardless of how good a driving record at 21 it'll be significantly higher for them to go on their own than for them to be underneath yours so I mean, as far as cost-wise, no, there's not an advantage as far as the liability exposure. If you're still financially supporting that child, I mean, you're really not getting away from the liability exposure there, even if you do put them on their own policy. Really? Okay. They'll they'll still come get you. Oh, yeah. Right. Yeah. I mean, (laughs) you know, I mean, an attorney's going to sue you if you're financially supporting that that child. Okay. Uh, So that's a key. How much is financially supported? Yeah. Okay. All right. So um, big subject on uninsured and underinsured motorist coverage. Uh, I know it's something that that we talked about and in my coverage, and I agree with your recommendation to to have the same limits there that I do just on my regular coverage. But a lot of people don't do that. Where do you see people um, um, missing the point and having some gaps here? So for, uh, with most states, this, the liability <clears throat> is required, the uninsured is required, and the underinsured is not required. So that's where we see the disc, the disconnect. Ah, uh, because you got underinsured. The things I guess they don't. They assume the other person has insurance, so you don't need underinsured. But the underinsured, the the person you hit who has insurance, because I had this situation happen once with a client, and the person they hit. 
they had uninsured. They didn't have underinsured. The person had just a bare minimum that the state requires, and and they would have been, they would have been better off. The person that hit them would have been better off. They would have been better off not having any insurance. Right. Right. Yeah. So, so the distinction there is, so uninsured is obviously if there's someone driving without insurance, you, that's what you can come back underneath your policy and collect your damages, a bodily injury and property damage. If it's, uh, if they are underinsured, in other words, they have insurance, just not enough, then you have to have that separate underinsured motorist coverage. Otherwise you can't come back underneath your policy. I mean, most, most policies out there, I imagine, has the underinsured. It's just a few agents, a few companies that, for whatever reason, try to save a few dollars to, to win, the, win the policy. They just exclude the underinsured. Uh, so, I mean, it's, and it's very detriment to the client. I mean, yeah, because the client not, may not notice that that's why there was the correct, price right. They're change. just looking at the price, right. Yeah, yeah. and that's, that could be bad. Yep. All right, so this is good text questions. Uh, another question that I know I've had frequently and I know a lot of people don't think about and they should ask the question. So a neighbor says, hey, uh, Stephen, uh, you got the pickup truck. I need to take some stuff to the dump or I'm helping a, a friend move. Can I borrow your pickup truck? All right. So, uh, and they hit somebody either just, or, or they just run into a, a pole at Walmart or, right. or, or they, um, uh, have some of the damage just taking it to the dump or unfortunately they hit somebody and they're at fault and there's some, uh, personal injury. Right. Who's at fault here? Who's, who's supposed to pay? So the insurance follows the vehicle. So the primary insurance is going to be the vehicle. If you if you don't have enough insurance, then your policy as the driver would come in as secondary. All right, so you're you're on the hook even yeah. even for the uh, the liability and or the property damage, either but, one. That's correct. But let me but let me go back though. So if if it's your neighbor or you have some friends flying from out of town, family members come stay with you just for a short period of time and leave, and you let them borrow your car, that's all good and well. That's fine. They the the coverage transfers. But if you've got someone living in your house who has that vehicle readily available to them, then their coverage is denied in most policies. So that that's a little caveat there that you you need to remember. So it's, so if you're talking about like you're you live in an apartment and you've got two other roommates, if they borrow your car, there's a chance that that is not going to be covered if they want to get nasty with it. Your insurance or their insurance, either one. Well, their insurance would have to pick it up. Yeah, Your okay. insurance was denied coverage because that vehicle is readily available for that other party. That that's what they would claim. Okay. Is that part that individual has access to that vehicle because they live in that household. Okay. So let's be clear. So somebody comes to visit you for a few days or it's a neighbor who does not live with you, they borrow the vehicle and something happens. Their insurance right. first? It's, it's pr- right. And then uh, your, no, no. Ins- your insurance first, and then their insurance. Correct. I'm, I was correct. Okay. I'm just saying. I just want to make sure that caveat <laughs> is there because a lot of people are just letting anybody borrow the car, even if they're living in their home. Yeah. And it's it's a, there's a there's a caveat there where most if there's someone living in your home, they either have to have their own policy, which will pick it up, or it, it's it's not going back on yours. They can be on your policy. Right. So my daughter's correct. on mine, so correct. she lives yes. with us. So That's she's what on you there. want to do. You want right. them to either be included on your policy or have their own. Yeah. Okay. Let me check the time. We got a minute or so here for the break. Um, so yeah, that's important. I think for people to realize, uh, and, and it even goes back to the uninsured, uninsured, your coverage is what's, is what is going with right. them. Right. Um, I, w- I thought, uh, from what I remember from some years ago that the liability coverage was on the uh, person who borrowed the vehicle, the property damage is yours, but you're saying both is on your own. Yeah. Insurance follows the vehicle first. So it's great. You may have coverage for that. Uh, but it could affect your premium increase, Absolutely. and I doubt your neighbor is going to. Um, so, so you have the neighbor sign 
Say, if you want to borrow my truck, that's fine. But if you have an accident and my price premium goes up, you're paying the difference. Uh, sure, yeah. You can do, if you can get him to do that, absolutely. <laughs> well, it'd probably just say, you know, why don't you just go rent a truck? That's right. That's right. <laughs> Instead of borrowing mine, yeah. go rent a truck. It's probably oh, uh, yeah, probably, probably better so. liability-wise yeah. across the board, right? Right. <laughs> right. <laughs> okay. So uh, we're talking with Stephen Piper here today, certified insurance counselor with uh, car insurance, home insurance. Uh, a lot of questions I know we all have. When we get back, we're going to talk a, a little bit about how do you determine the, the, the rebuild value of your property? We talked a little bit about the very beginning, um, but uh, replacement value, and, and I want to talk even more so about the content and right. go uh, contents and inventories and video inventories and all those kind of things. We'll be back with the second half of Talking Money in just a few minutes. Most of you have heard the saying, it's not what you earn, but what you keep. With all of the tax laws and legislative changes, how do you successfully navigate the complex, always changing and mostly confusing tax system. More importantly, how do you best take advantage of these changing laws in order to improve your financial stewardship and accomplish your goals? Unlike tax preparation, tax planning is a year-round process and should be an important part of your financial plan. It's wise to consider tax reduction efforts in light of your overall goals. At Ronald Blue Trust, our tax planning process includes things like short and long-term tax projections, understanding tax consequences of financial and life decisions, estimating marginal and effective tax rates to, among other things, avoid that dreaded tax bracket creep, coordinate with your tax preparer, and looking for tax savings opportunities through income shifting, deferring income, deduction planning, and other timing strategies. For more information about our Greenville team and the credentials and experience of each of them, go to ronblue.com forward slash Greenville. Sherry White. Jeremy Weaver, Scott Clark, and Eddie Holland are the team leaders with a supporting team of certified financial planner professionals working right alongside of them. Feel free to contact any of them directly or give me a call at 1-800-588-7526, and I'll be happy to discuss your situation with you. The phone number again is 1-800-588-7526 or go to ronblue.com forward slash Greenville. Let's return now to Talking Money. And welcome back to Talking Money. This is Certified Financial Planner Professional Mike Miller, your host for today. We've got uh, Stephen Piper with me today, uh, my special guest, Certified Insurance Counselor. Uh, a lot of experience in the property and casualty or car and home insurance. We've been talking about a lot of, of key things already today, and we want to talk about some more things today. Of course, we want to answer your questions. you got to have questions about car and home insurance. Something that's happened to you, you wonder about, you can go to uh, TalkingMoneyRadio.com and click on Ask Mike a Question. We'll get that question and put it up at a future broadcast of Talking Money. Or you can just send an email to mike at talkingmoneyradio.com, and uh, we'll get that question as well. Sometimes I respond just to the question right there, and, and it's great to have that information that where I can reply to you so that I can get follow-up information because oftentimes the question doesn't have enough detail in it for me to give a proper answer. And I want to make sure I get the right answer to you for your particular situation. So um, uh, give me as much information as you can, and it'll, it'll be private. Even if I share some on the radio, which is what I will do with text oftentimes, I'm not going to give you anybody's name. And if there's any information that sounds like it's it's something that somebody would be able to figure out that it was uh, that it was you, I won't use that either. I, at least I, I try my best not to use those kind of things. But we're talking about 
um, some property casualty insurance. And uh, we talked a little bit about the top of the hour, but I want to dig a little deeper into it. When you're talking about, you know, you, you have a house that burns down or you're, you're just something happens to where you re- rebuild your house. We talked about uh, just give everybody a refresher. How do you make sure that you have enough uh, coverage in your policy for that? And then we want to dig into the contents because we haven't talked about the contents yet. Right. So when we write a policy, we'll do a replacement cost estimator to determine the rebuild value of the house. And that's what we need to insure is not the land value, not the market value, but the rebuild value of the house. And so we'll do a replacement cost estimator to determine that um, amount. As far as your contents go, that could vary widely reg- based off what you have. Like if you have a every piece of furniture in your house is antique, well, we need to probably make sure that contents limit is where it up a, a larger amount than maybe they would you would have Mike or someone normal that just has furniture they get at Lazy Boy or wherever else. So you just need to consider the con- contents limit that you have. Consider the contents that you have. What does the insurance company ask if in the in the event of a loss? How they make you prove? Now, jewelry, I understand, because we, you and I have talked about mm-hmm. jewelry before and making sure you have the right limits there and even having to schedule it if it's something that's a unique piece. Uh, what about proof of everything else? Do they just say, okay, we've we've given you um, $120,000 of contents coverage. Here's a check for $120,000. Go have fun uh, re- refurnishing right, your house. Right, So let's just assume it's a total loss yeah. uh, or, or a whole room is full, is, is uh, burn up. So they would probably give you a, a chunk of money to start replacing those items, but they're not going to give you a total of your contents okay. limit unless it's a total loss. So they'll probably give you a bucket of money to start, and then you have to give them receipts of where you replace these items. Uh-huh. And they'll they'll pay you up to whatever, like if it's a TV, they'll buy you a new TV, but you'll have to show a receipt in order to get that amount. And that's when they start start giving you. The more. TV probably costs less, <laughs> or or if it's the same TV. Yeah, now, if you upgrade, right. if you upgrade, right. but you, so you you'd even be allowed to upgrade. As well, long I'm just as saying, if it's a coverage. 55 inch TV, then you you'll they'll replace it with another brand new 55 inch TV. And, but, but but yeah, it could be cheaper, right? Yeah, but they don't know that you had a 55 inch TV. That is true. That is true, Mike. <laughs> I mean, so they. Uh, so they don't, um, you know, that's what I'm asking for is like what they prove. So they, they're not necessarily going to care about that is because they're, no, cause they're in just the big gonna... picture. It's where it's, it's minimal in the big picture. Now, if you start coming up with 55 inch TVs in every room you have, including the bathroom, <laughs> then yeah, there's probably going to be some outside, questions being asked. The back right? deck, front porch. Yeah. <laughs> right. uh, so, so what about um, a video inventory? Cause I know years ago I used to uh, suggest people in the workshops I've done, that just just walk through your house and take a video inventory of everything. So you at least, if nothing else, it'll help you remember what you had. <laughs> no, that is more important. I mean, because the insurance company could care less. It's really you remembering every little thing you have yeah. so you can go replace that. Because you may get through the claim process two years later, say, oh my gosh, I had this and yeah. we didn't. And there's right. no way to really go back at that point after the claim is closed. So talk to the camera, talk to your phone now. Right. Uh, and, right. and tell if, if it's something unique. Talk about, explain what it is, and uh, and you'll and and that way it'll refresh your memory. Oh yes, I've got that item. I would I would kid people and say, yeah, it just you don't have to be specific, but go into the the master closet and say, you know, we've got fifty pairs of lady shoes and we've got three pairs of men's shoes. Right. You know, right. that, that that kind of thing. But that doesn't apply now because yeah. a lot of the guys have as many shoes as the girls do sometimes. But so I got to be careful how, how far right. I go down that hole. Okay, so we've got a caller. I don't I don't see anything on my screen, Paul. So I so. I apologize. Something went. 
wrong. It's uh, Jeff from Anderson. All right, Jeff Anderson. All right, good morning, Jeff from Anderson. Welcome to Talking Money. Good morning, guys. Um, I wanted to know at uh, what point with an insurance incident do you, uh, as far as an auto goes, do you finally have to draw the line and, and go to an attorney? Situation was I was in a small accident. Lady had some kind of shady insurance company, and these folks are so well-known that none of the collision shops in town would even give me an estimate on my car. They wanted nothing to do with it. And sure as shooting, the guy that did finally fix it, I had to pay him out of pocket because this insurance company just kept stalling and dragging and everything else. Wow. Okay, Steven. Uh, well, so, I mean, I don't know that all the ins and outs of the scenario, but first of all, I would assume that the there was a legal document, meaning the police were called out and the other lady was uh, found at fault. Is that correct? Correct. Okay. Correct. 100% at fault. Yeah. So you, you can go to the, actually the, the police and they, they, because they are taking your information down and the insurance companies, they're agreeing to pay basically. So you can go that route. Secondly, there's an insurance commissioner in each state. You can file a complaint with that commissioner and they ha- an insurance company that's like this licensed to do business in South Carolina will have to respond to that complaint. Okay. So I would suggest those two. Those you go two through the, uh, I think it's the Secretary of State's office that you go through to find the insurance commissioner. Yeah, I, I think, think so in in South Carolina. That uh, okay. sounds like you've had a lot more hassle than you should have had. Yeah, correct. Yeah, this this insurance adjuster kept making appointments when he knew that the collision shop was going to be closed. <laughs> oh my gosh, <laughs> no. this kind of stuff. And it was just you know, and he was I'm coming from Charleston. Well, <laughs> that's not my trouble. It's your trouble, but. <laughs> Okay, so wow. two avenues before you go to an attorney. Yeah, I mean, yeah, because the attorney is going to cost you something. These two avenues, it's going to cost you time and effort, but it's not going to cost you out-of-pocket money. Okay. It's worth a shot anyway. Well, that's yeah. good to know for the next time anyway. I appreciate it, fellas. <laughs> All, All right, right, Jeff. You're welcome. Thanks for the call. Appreciate that. Okay, well, um so, yeah, that's interesting. Um, all right, so we got uh, a couple minutes here for the break. So um, so take a video inventory to help yourself uh, understand and be able to remember what you bought so that you could um, get the, the right stuff and make sure you get the full coverage, at least get everything that's come due to you. Okay, so um, uh, I think probably the easier question here. Okay, I had years ago a client that we suggested go ahead and get some umbrella liability insurance. And okay. they were in their eighties. Um, and I had never asked anybody cause just, it was a normal thing we did just to make sure people had enough, uh, coverage on liability because it's fairly inexpensive coverage. Well, they were turned down because of their age. Okay. And I had not heard that before. Uh, is that something? So I, so I've been encouraging people make sure you, you already have it before you get that age. <laughs> Well, so I imagine there's probably something else besides just their age. Yeah, okay. there had to be an accident or something on their record, their driving record. These people were pretty docile, so yeah. I don't know. I, I don't know because, I mean, we, we don't have any issues getting uh, the umbrella policies as long as they've got the underlying limits and there's not okay. some crazy reason okay. why. Yeah. So the age is not the supposed well, to be the factor. There, well, there's an a, there is a factor with your auto insurance with due to age. Yeah. You, you don't want to move people who are up in age, you know, 70 or above. You don't want to be moving their insurance around a lot because yeah. there are companies that don't want it. that don't want uh, those policies. Because the risk will, goes up, yeah. And they, right, and they will age you out. And they're like, well, at this point, well, you have to get a medical exam every year in order for us to stay on your auto insurance. Uh, okay. So you want to stay with a company that's that has fine with mature uh, people and you just leave them there. So, Unless there's just some significant increase. 
So above 70 and below 25, those are the riskier, <laughs> those are the risky ages. Well, according to them, yes, yeah. according to them. Well, they've got the statistics, I guess, that yeah. go, so yeah. in general rule, that's, that's probably uh, is the case. All right, so we get back from the break. I want to talk uh, a little bit more about um, deductibles and how much is it worth looking at increasing them, transferring some of that risk from the insurance company to yourself. Is it worth it or when is it worth it to, to do those kinds of things? We'll be back with the last segment of Talking Money in just a few minutes. Virtually every financial services firm talks about financial and investment planning based on your goals. At Ronald Blue Trust, we can help you define your goals. And we'll do that from your personal cash flow to your income tax to your state and investments to help ensure that your decisions really do reflect your values. We incorporate biblical principles into our comprehensive financial planning approach. Our goal is to help you clarify your decision-making and focus on leaving a legacy of financial, social, and spiritual capital. And whether we realize it or not, the decisions we make in life reflect our values and our priorities. Decisions we make today can have lifetime implications. There are rarely independent decisions. A comprehensive financial plan includes things like planning for short-term cash needs, long-term retirement, proactively minimizing debt, continually evaluating the tax consequences of your decisions, funding your child's or grandchild's education, and determining your insurance needs. No financial plan, however, is worth doing unless you actually implement your plan. Our process takes you directly from goal setting to the implementation. I think, we think, there's a good chance your financial stress level will improve when you understand how all of the components of your financial life integrate with each other and how to adjust over time. So we can guide you through a detailed plan towards sound financial decisions, wise stewardship, and a roadmap to your desired destination, a life well spent. For more information, go to ronblue.com forward slash Greenville or call 1-800-588-7526. Once again, the number is 1-800-588-7526. Now back to more of Talking Money. All right, welcome back to Talking Money. We've had several texts come in. Uh, I was just reading those, and, and unfortunately, the screen I was looking at didn't show them. The other screen did, so we're back in we're back in business now. So we've got a we've got a couple of uh, of real good ones that we want to um, cover with you guys. So first one is I have some uh, uh, rental properties, and I'm looking at putting them in an LLC, which is a, a corporate entity, just so people know, so that it helps protect you from liability. Is it cheaper to keep them insured under my name? Under the new LLC I create for them, or will it be the same? So um, most companies, at least the companies that I deal with, as long as you it is a single-member LLC or it is a family-owned LLC, in other words, only the members in the LLC or the family members, okay. we can still write it under their under their um, personal rental properties. Okay. If uh, if it's if it's multiple owners, at that point, you start going to a, a have to go to companies that are probably going to be a little more expensive. Okay, because it's a corporation. Yeah, and right. Liabilities right. There's a little is a little different, right? Yeah, that's what they're worried about. Yeah. Okay, good. So hopefully that answers your question. If not, send another quick text. Another texter asks, uh, if I rent a car, and this is one of the things I was going to talk to you about anyway. So if I rent a car, uh, could I be covered under my personal policy? The, so really the question is, should I buy the insurance that the rental right. company does or I'm already covered? I know even some credit cards, if you charge it by that credit card, have mm -hmm. some. So elaborate right. on that for us a little bit. So yeah, so the best coverage that you have on any car in on your home on your auto policy will transfer. So if you have a full, a car that has full coverage, 
that full coverage, including liability, comp and collision, will transfer over to the rental car. However, the only thing that's not covered is the loss of use that they may charge you for their it, like if they have to three days in the shop getting the car fixed, they may charge you three days rental that they can't rent that car. Ah, so the loss of okay. use is the only thing that's not covered underneath your policy. Is that something I've not looked at that? Is that something that the credit, if you charge it with a credit card that has that perk on it that says we cover you because your own coverage is going to cover, so they probably feel pretty good about <laughs> offering that coverage. Yeah. Would it maybe cover that loss of I, use? I'm not certain. It just depends. You yeah. have to look at it or mm-hmm. call the call the credit card yeah, company. Yeah, I would, I would check and make so sure. So loss of use is the key. You want to you want Correct. to see if that's covered as well. Yeah. What about just the ease? I mean, to me, it's it'd be a lot easier to uh, even though it's more expensive to buy the insurance from the rental company, and then if something happens. They, they just take, take care, care of it. it. You don't I mean, worry about it. obviously, yeah, it is correct. Yeah. But it's I expensive. Mean, Some of those I know. Rental, I know. <laughs> yeah. So you got to you got to decide whether it's worth it. And and yeah. if uh, like myself, uh, which I don't typically buy it, because um, I've really had no accidents, and I and I'm, mm-hmm. I'm hoping that I could avoid other people hitting me. Right. But that's their fault then. But even then. You got some issues. The rental car company would just take it, and if not, then you've got to somehow they've got to deal with that person. Right. Well, in different states, also, if you're in yeah. Florida, it's a no fault state, so you're going to take care of your damage. They're going to take care of their damage. I mean, it's it's not. Yeah. yeah. It just depends on what state you're in. So there is advantages to buying the insurance for sure. Yeah. Okay. All right. Another interesting question that came in. This is a little longer, but uh, I think it, it applies to some people. I know uh, my son borrowed a friend's trailer, so not the truck, just the trailer. To hold furniture while his floors were being refinished. The trailer and all in it was stolen from behind his house. The friend had no insurance on the trailer. Since it was borrowed by permission, would my son's homeowner's coverage cover the loss of the contents and the trailer? So I guess they just pulled up and took the whole thing off and stole it somewhere. There was no cameras to sell who did it, but... So I, I'm, as she said, the homeowner's insurance. Um, I guess the son's homeowner's because yeah. his floors being they were his furniture. They just just furniture wasn't in his house. It was right. it was in the trailer. So the furniture should be covered if he yeah. has all risk on the on the yeah. uh, and that's an endorsement you have to buy. It's called special coverage on contents. Um, that if it's his furniture outside sitting outside, that's fine. It should be, it should be covered. Um, the trailer, however, is probably not going to be covered unless that person had coverage for the trailer, the physical, now, the, like the theft. Yeah, yeah. How odd would it be for somebody not, unless they just left, didn't ever use the trailer and left it in their backyard? Uh, it seems like you'd you'd, you'd have well, you know, insurance you got on a, that. Well, if you got a trailer's worth thousand dollars, you might not have it insured. I mean, because the liability is going to be covered as long whatever when you're behind pulling whatever it, pulling because you're pulling it right. Yeah. Um, so the only thing you're looking at is theft or if a tree falls on it or something. So, I mean, some people feel pretty confident that it's never going to happen. But, I mean, I, I've known more people get their trailer stolen out of the yard than anything else. I mean, anybody, that's just an easy thing for somebody to pull up and do. Yeah, well, I've known several contractors mm-hmm. who had their, right. their trailers full of all their equipment. And yeah. and then right in there, right in broad, almost broad daylight, but right there in the open, that somebody came in, hooked it up, and... Drove just off. took off, you know, and then how are you going to find that? I mean, yeah, you know, the police don't have any way to look for it. Nah. <laughs> just good luck with that. So, that, so you got to tie down the trailer, 
keep it hooked up to the truck and and lock it to the truck and and yeah. hope somebody doesn't steal your truck and the trailer. That's right. That's right. I guess everything at once. Okay, so um, another thing that I used to uh, mention in the workshops that I, that I teach and still do when I talk about uh, liability insurance, not as many companies are asking for those kind of coverage, but I still have some that I speak about that, is the advantage uh, and the reasons why you might want to increase a, a deductible. So my typical uh, suggestion would be check and see. So if you have a $100 deductible, um, see what the price would be how much it would reduce by going to 500 or even a thousand dollars keeping in mind that you just transferred that much risk from the insurance company to yourself per incident not per year like your medical and if if they if they save you you know five bucks a year well then don't do it right if they if they save you maybe 150 dollars a year uh, even then you got to think about it. Okay. How often might I have an accident? If, how long would it take me to recoup? Let's use a hundred dollars because it'd be an easier math. So if I've got $900 more exposure, it's going to take me nine years at a hundred dollars savings to make up for that. Is right. that worth it? Uh, what kind of, what kind of price differences do you see with increasing the deductible and the price decrease and have you seen it worth it or not? Well, there is, normally what I see is it's not significantly worth it because if we're talking about auto, increasing the auto liability, the comp and collision deductibles, then all you're changing, you're not changing that whole premium for that vehicle. All you're changing is that line item for the comp and the line item for the collision. So it's a smaller number that you're saving on. Yeah. yeah. And then if it's the home, unless you've got um, a significant um, in premium in your home, it's not going to, I don't ever see it's worth, if you got a, a hundred dollar deductible, yeah, you need to change that regardless. Yeah. Okay. That's but too if low. you're talking about a thousand dollar deductible to a $5,000 deductible, uh, usually it's not going to be enough unless you're just risk adverse. You just don't care. All you're looking for is catastrophic, uh, coverage. Yeah, right. You're most of the time, most, most people do not find the value that is, is, is great enough to do okay it. so speaking of catastrophic coverage we talked about an older person uh, the times that i've seen it limited even being able to buy umbrella policy um what's the what's the value of having the umbrella policy because i've asked suggested a lot of people keep their minimum amount that they can get on liability coverage on their home and car and then tack on an umbrella policy on top of that 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 may be less expensive is that is that good advice or not? Well, I mean, so the umbrella policy is going to require that you have certain, certain amount, underlying yeah. liability. Half a million, 300,000, something. Yeah, yeah, correct, right. So, um, I mean, if the, if the company will allow you to go down to like a 100, 300, 100, and then do an umbrella, yeah. sure, it might be Just worth do it. it. Yeah. But most companies are 250, 500, or 500,000 combined single limit before yeah. you're able to eligible for an umbrella. But I'm, I'm confident a lot of people listening today do not have an umbrella policy. Sure. Uh, what, what what's your recommendation there? I mean, if you have youthful operators, for sure, have an um, an umbrella. So the lady that asked, or, or the person right. that asked earlier, I don't know if it was lady or not, said about uh, getting a, for a teenager, you know, say, well, get the liability coverage too. Because you've got high exposure during that period of time where you've got youthful operators. And then if just look and see if there's other reasons that you might, if you have rental properties in your personal name or something like that, make sure you're going to want to have an umbrella policy. Well, and I would suggest as, as we have higher net worth clients, we say, hey, Correct. you need to increase that. Yeah, right. it's going to cost you a little bit, but those attorneys are going to come after your personal assets because right. they can see it. Right. Uh, but it's it's easier for the the uh, a jury, I think, to, to um, 
give a claim to the insurance company than it is to a person because sure. they think the insurance company just can afford it somehow. Sure. Like it doesn't cost me anything to have the insurance company when we know it does ultimately. Yeah. But just to protect your own assets. Right. And the amount that you have, if you're talking a million, two million dollars, we're we're talking two hundred, two fifty yeah. a year. I mean, yeah. it's it's for what you're getting, it's pretty relatively inexpensive. Yeah, yeah. All right. So I want to make sure that we give your phone number out. So let's give your phone number or maybe a, a website or something uh, to to how to get in touch with Stephen Piper. Sure. Stephen Piper, Piper Insurance Group, Eric at eight six four three five zero nine three two nine. Shoot me an email at Stephen at piperinsurancegroup.com and Stephen was with a ph by the way yeah or uh piperinsurancegroup.com i've been careful about saying Stephen, not <laughs> Stephen, because <laughs> yeah, i've got a brother that's Stephen. so I'll make sure we get that right so 864-350-9329 to get a hold of you well thanks for listening today to talking money we'll be back uh, next week with more of talking money <laughs>